Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Ray. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, Dave. How are you? I, I'm all right. Mildly, mildly stressful few couple of days after I was just saying before we came on air, my computer died. So uh, I'm, I'm now on, on a separate computer, but it took me like two hours to figure out how to set this one up to run all the podcast stuff. So, so that's been fun. And uh, also is why there's no interview on this week, because I have everything backed up but it's all backed up on a Mac formatted drive so I can't have access to it because my only other computer is a PC so so I need to wait until the Mac is back so uh, yes there's no interview this week but we have lots of other stuff to talk about including oh, you the sound Oscars incredibly calm so, <laughs> so yes it's it's been a stressful few days but uh, but apart from that I'm fine and uh, I'm I'm surprisingly awake considering I stayed up to watch the Oscars last night so good uh, for you <laughs> so how, how are you doing anyway yeah I am good yes I am uh, six weeks into this what seems to be quite an exhausting term um, right. I've just um, had half term been on a little bit of a holiday um, yep. and I know I always like cram pack my February half terms every time with uh, quite a busy uh, period of time um, but I still managed to squeeze in some TV programs um, to make sure that I had something to talk about um, I know we're going to be talking um, uh, when we talk about your bit about the Umbrella Academy so I'm going to leave that bit to talk about with you yes. uh, but things I finished and I know you've talked about them on previous week so i finished russian doll this morning right um that was a what i call a plane watch so um, on my way to my holiday i completely binged uh, russian doll episodes one to seven and then bizarrely my netflix hadn't downloaded episode eight oh, so no. i then <laughs> wait the whole week while i was on holiday to then watch episode eight when i got back i really enjoyed it i was a little bit unhappy with the last episode because but i really enjoyed the middle bit yeah. um and the build up was quite good i just has that been renewed dave can you remember is that uh, at the moment i don't think it's i think it's in sort of mid-air at the moment i'm yeah. not sure they've they've gone one way or the other it's one of those shows i'm not entirely sure how how you move on from would you do a double that's that would you do a second series that's what i'd say or would it be like an anthology series and you get I, a new character yeah or... maybe although the the people that star in it the um Nat- natasha what's her name leon leon yeah. that uh that is the star of it i think co wrote it as well so mm. um yeah i'm I'm not yeah co-created it with amy Poehler and uh, leslie headland so i'm not entirely sure you want to cast somebody new in the lead role unless they kind of yeah. switch around and amy Poehler took the lead in the next one maybe i don't know you can yeah, maybe no, do uh, it but yeah 
good good uh, good tv making i you know, just liked a, a film that you could get through in that sort of like nice handle you know handle those chunks of time that was good yeah yeah no it good uh, and it's it's probably good to binge watch it as well because it does play out they're only kind of 20 minute or so episodes so it sort of plays out like a movie it's quite good yeah you have to keep on it as well i think yeah. that's the i mean i have still got that song in my head that she had that plays every time she appears back at the sink it's yeah. just like oh okay here we go again yeah. um i finished just before i went on holiday i finished sex education um i really enjoyed that the, the reason i did get to finish some of these programs is i was unbelievably unwell in the last week of my term um and i spent three days on my sofa um, <laughs> so it was a great opportunity that's the only thing i could do between sleeping and taking lots of uh, uh sip and things like that was to finish off um sex education and unbreakable kimmy schmidt um and uh, i really liked both of those definitely good tv programs for 2019 um i can't wait for sex education to come back for a second series um and i'm just so sad we've lost unbreakable kimmy schmidt i mean it took a lot of people uh, a while to get into it i think it was one of the netflix's early things wasn't yeah. it, when they first came out um but i think it just matured and these characters are so good it's almost a shame um but you know quite right um just like tina fey and her team they they nice like to wrap up before they exhaust get the format kicked out um, yes <laughs> uh, so they they did a really good show and you know 30 rock up there is one of my favorite all-time sitcoms and unbreakable kimmy schmidt um definitely goes alongside it so yeah i enjoyed finishing that um uh the bonkers film documentary on uh netflix abducted in plain sight that came up um, as recommended and i haven't watched it yet what's it like oh dave oh goodness me you just spend your entire time going no that <laughs> cannot have happened and then you you pause it and you're like you i watched it with a friend and we were just like I, I am, I no, that can't have happened. And it's just a bonkers, bonkers, bonkers documentary. Um, so I can't, ex I can't explain it. it. It's demonstrating some of the worst parenting um, wow. and naivety in 1970s America. Um, it, it's a good watch though. It's a good discussion point. Oh, I'll have um, to go and watch that one. So yeah, it's, I it, as I say, it's absolutely bonkers. Uh, another two good British programs sort of um, watched the end last episodes of were Catastrophe. Again, very sad. That's done now. A lovely last episode. Um, Oh, really mixed last episode um, in terms of like the emotions and where they went with it. Uh, it was almost like a bit of an honour to Carrie Fisher um, because Aww. Carrie Fisher played um, the mother in the yeah. show. So last episode, they went to um, California to meet, to see the mum, but she had died before they got there. And it was Aww. just a little bit of a, an emotional thing. And Rob Delaney was just brilliant in it. If anyone has watched it, um, go and watch all the seasons. My friend recently, I went on holiday with, started a series one and she texted me after she finished the last episode of this season. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe there's not going to be any more. That was amazing. Aww. So really enjoy watching that. Um, and a little gem, I don't know enough people know about this one, uh, Two Doors Down, um, which is on BBC Two. It finished <clears throat> about two weeks ago, but it's just this incredible sort of observational comedy about these neighbours right. in a Scottish, Scottish street. Um, and they are the worst characters that you can imagine. They are just horrible people. And it all centres around this lovely, well-to-do couple who just get... Um, sort of 
bombarded by their neighbours through different sort of situations and scenarios and the people that are in it just play horrendously horrible characters but <laughs> the situation makes you cringe um, one of the main uh, actresses is Duma Keegan um, who used to be in Smack the Pony right. she sort of plays this um, alcoholic woman who has to have everything better than the next person and it's I tell you, it's 30 minute very observational takes place in like 30 minute real time each episode has sort of a different theme um that goes through how this poor lady who's the main character of the house uh beth just gets absolutely sort of um taken advantage of by everyone around her but right. it's a brilliant comedy um i think it's going to be renewed again it's uh bbc scotland yes. um and the last thing I'm, I want to talk about um, is my, I absolutely love Taskmaster and they announced the new contestants yes. um, just for I went on holiday um, and it completely out of the blue didn't get any of them. <laughs> um, my friend had a little like bet the night before we knew it was going to be revealed we were throwing names at each other going oh it's going to be joe brand oh it, it could be rose matafeo it could be tom allen uh, we were just trying to work out who they would possibly uh, be putting into their their next um series but uh, they they're they're quite a quite a diverse and interesting bunch so for those people who don't know uh in it this year is paul sinner uh, who is from the Chase fame. Yeah. You've got Sean Gibson from um, Carshare, Peter Kay's Carshare. Right, okay. Lou Sanders, she's a very uh, regular Radio 4 comedian. She does a lot of the panel shows and the joke shows and the quizzes. Right. Um, Joe Thomas from In Between Us fame. Um, and the one I think is going to be getting a lot of the audience in is Ian Sterling, uh, obviously the voiceover from Love Island. Um, right. I've, I've heard him a lot on interview shows and radio shows and TV rings. He is quite funny, but it is a very obscure bunch from in, in terms of nothing that we expected. But, yeah. you know, I'm going to tune in. I will watch it. I'm not sure when it's out yet. They haven't released the release date, but um, yeah, I'm quite excited about that. Cool. Cool. So, yes. That's my list, but I know I, uh, I'm going to be interrupting lots and talking about the top one on your list this week well, because yes. uh, you. <laughs> yes, well, the the first one on my list is uh, Umbrella Academy, which I finished last night. Um, absolutely astounding series. I thought it was brilliant. The as I said, I think last week the the thing it it's been described as basically a superhero show, kind of via Wes Anderson. Um, <laughs> And it's it's this wonderfully quirky comic book turned into this wonderfully quirky TV show. Um, it it's not what you would see as a traditional show. It, I I wondered how they were going to do it, particularly the last couple of episodes, because in the comic book, um, the transformation that you get in the last few episodes without giving too much away is incredibly stylized so i was sort of not entirely sure how they were going to get away with doing that on screen and i think they pulled it off really really well mm. uh yeah it's it's basically there's an event which happens which is uh, a bunch of women find themselves pregnant on uh, at the end of the day where at the start of the day they weren't uh they all give birth to these children on the same day a eccentric billionaire takes seven of the kids who uh, and they start exhibiting superpowers he forms this super group called the umbrella academy whilst they're all children he's very kind of harsh and strict with them uh it's now many years later the kids have come back together after their father has died and they've come back for the first time and it's this sort of dysfunctional family uh trying to cope 
with being in the same room as each other who also all happen to be superheroes um it's it's just brilliantly put together it's quirky weird off the wall strange like i say it does have that tinge of a sort of wet anderson thing to going on with it as well i just i go and watch it it's fabulous i just loved it sort of dark sort of approach and what I thought was quite interesting, part of me was going into the program expecting, oh, great, a superhero drama. But as it developed more, it's not really that. It's it's about the dysfunction of the family and the yeah. connection of the family and their their history. And I like that more. And I, I found myself more invested in their story, their connection, how they came to be this team than I thought I was going to. And I, originally, I don't know, part of me was like, oh, I'm going to have like all these characters fighting each other and fighting all the time but i really really enjoyed it i mean i had one little bugbear um and it was towards the penultimate episodes and i don't i know some people will be listening to this haven't watched it all but i just felt like um pogo Mm. um who was the assistant he had so much information and i just think that information could have been dealt with earlier Yes, I, I, I know what you mean yeah. by that. Uh, I, I know what you're saying with that. I, I sort of feel like, why didn't he say any of this? I yeah. mean, I, I get that he's trying to be loyal to his, you know, the the final wishes of his, you know, the father, but you sort of, uh, yeah, it, it seems a little cruel to have to have not said anything earlier so it's yeah. just yeah it was a bit weird and there was also a uh a, you know, we all suspend our disbelief but there's also a character allison um in about i, th- I want to say about episode seven who goes to visit her sister vanya and they do a flashback and in my head i was like no child would have ever forgotten that bit of information but she sort of plays it as if like oh this just made sense to me now well, and i'm like i i see i i thought that but they were supposedly about four years old at the time. And I think at that age, that's possible. I mean, the kids looked older. That was Yeah, probably, they looked about seven, didn't they, they? They looked about seven. But she does actually say in the dialogue, uh, we were around four years old. And so, yeah, there, there was a disconnect between the age of the characters on screen and the age that she actually said they were. So um, I, I think at, at four years old, it's entirely possible that bit of information that they were talking about um, could, you know, she might not have remembered it or might have sort of remembered it, but not in in a sort of particularly clear way. That I can understand because yeah. I think, you know, from that sort of age. But yeah, the, there was, I, I know what you're saying with that. If you actually listen to the dialogue, though, that she does actually, I'm sure she says they're four years old, but, but, but the characters know, are I'm, older on screen. But yes, minor points. I'm being points. so picky. Minor, very, minor points. Only because minor I'm point. just so used to storytelling and, and that just sort of made me think, you know, but otherwise, you know, uh, it's having brilliant reviews and brilliant ratings. Uh, there are very few um, negative speakers about it. And, and I am anticipating the second season to be announced, um, you know, in the future, because I think that that final scene and people please go and watch it to get to sort of the final scene. Yeah. 
sets you up for just such a great enigma and you want to see a second season to understand how it all sort of will come together. I I would be very surprised if they don't pick that back up again. Very, very surprised. So, uh, yeah, but it's brilliant. I mean, you know, as I say, not not 100% perfect. There is a few little things you can pick at, but uh, overall, I think it's a fabulous series. Uh, Really, really well done. Um, The other new thing this week, which... I, I wasn't entirely sure I was going to watch, but I'm really glad I did because I thought it was absolutely brilliant and uh, hilarious. Flack, which is uh, going out on the W channel. Uh, it's actually an original show uh, made by the W channel. It's their first original drama, or rather it's a dramedy. Uh, it's set in uh, a PR firm in London. Uh, stars Anna Paquin, the American star. Uh, and... Uh, it, it's basically, imagine if you took the sort of fixer element from something like Ray Donovan, but wrapped it in a kind of suit dramedy kind of shell. Uh, okay. that, that would be the way I'd describe the sort of tone of it. So she is a uh, PR executive she called Robin. Um, she's essentially dealing with the lives of these fairly awful clients uh, one of which is played by uh, Max Beasley, who plays this celebrity chef who likes to mess around on his wife quite a lot and has got caught and there's somebody trying to sell photographs, basically. So she's she's sort of dealing with that. It's her job to... I mean, the, op- the opening scene has somebody kind of die, almost dying of an overdose. So it's her job to sort of go in and fix whatever the problem is and cover it up and make sure the press don't get hold of it. That's essentially uh. what her job is. So it's got that sort of Ray Donovan-esque element to it, but it's much more of a sort of suit-style dramedy. Um, it's just really, really well written. The writing's really sharp. Uh, the characterizations are brilliant. The boss of the agency is uh uh sophie okonodu i think her name is uh called caroline on the show yeah she's wonderfully awful uh and, and fabulous there is an intern as well who is uh, called melody played by um rebecca benson uh who who is the almost the sort of guide for for people so it gives them an excuse to be able to introduce the characters and stuff uh, so uh, she's great and sort of looks a bit like um, a, a sort of Bridget Jones sort of mousy kind of character who's suddenly thrown into this lion's den of, of just iniquity and like horror and, and uh, of this sort of PR world. So uh, and uh, there's also the assistant as well, who is is just wonderfully brilliant. So it's just a, a really, really nicely put together, well-written show. Not at all the type of thing that you would expect to come from a like original British commis- commission. It, although it's set in the UK, it feels very, very much like an American drama or American mm-hmm. dramedy. So uh, I, I would definitely urge you, urge you to go and watch it. It's, it's just superb. But it's, it's uh, running on W at the moment. The, uh, the channel that was called Watch before they oh. stupidly changed its name. Uh, and the other thing this week, Curfew, which is this uh, new Sky One drama about a street race basically um it's set in this kind of dystopian 
future world where seemingly the the this sort of viruses has broken out and there is these sort of werewolf zombie sort of creatures that are, are coming out at night which is why there is a curfew uh it's got a very sort of totalitarian government that are strictly enforce the the curfew but there is apparently an escape and the way to escape is to win this illegal street race and it allows you to go to what they're referring to as a sanctuary or island so there is a place where they're, they're all trying to go to the cast is absolutely insane uh, it's uh, Adrian Brody, Brody, Billy Zane, uh, Phoebe Fox, Adrian Lester, Miranda Richardson, Robert Glenster, Sean Bean, uh, Malachi Kirby. Uh, it's just this insane list of of people. Each are, are in various different vehicles trying to sort of win the race. The first episode, it, it's it's kind of difficult to judge it on that because there is so much setting up in that first episode. Um, there is, it's basically introducing some of the characters, introducing them, getting to the start point of the race, essentially. Um, so I, I really can't judge it on that opening episode. I need to see a bit more. I'm surprised they didn't run it as a two-parter to start off with, because I think that would have been the better way to, to set it going. It may all be on, on demand. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe that's why they didn't do it as a two-parter, but, um, it's worth going to look at, I think, just to see where it goes. But it, it's very difficult to gauge from that opening episode exactly sort of how good or bad or whatever it's going to be. But uh, it's, it was an incredibly expensive thing to put together, though, I think. So uh, hopefully it does well for Sky One, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but that's running on Sky One right now, if you want to go and watch okay. that. It's on, it's on Mid-Planet. I think it was um, came on when I was uh, away, so yeah. I recorded it. So I'll always go and watch the first episode and see um, what that's about. Yeah, I, I, as I say, don't entirely judge it on the first episode. I think it's one of those that's going to need two or three before you kind of get a proper handle on it. Those are the new things that I've been looking at this week. The other thing was, of course, the Oscars, which happened last night, which, given that you are our, our de facto film reviewer... Uh, we, uh, <laughs> the worst one. <laughs> yes, the, the worst film reviewer. Uh, um, so, uh, given that you're on, we should really talk a little bit about, about the Oscars. Um, yep. So I actually stayed up and watched the whole thing, and I'm surprisingly awake. So um, what did you think? What did you like? What didn't you like? Well, obviously, I did a review this morning as the worst film reviewer. I couldn't possibly stay up during the night because I had a lot <laughs> of work to do today. today. Yesterday, That's fair <laughs> um, but, um, I had sort of my, I had my gut feelings. I believed Roma was going to walk away with a lot, and we were going to see sort of the turning of the tide with regards to Netflix. Um, and although they walked away with a fair few awards, it was um, the talking point this morning as we all woke up to was obviously the lovely Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Um, and her speech, um, which I've watched today, it was just absolutely uh, the true epitome of a British person yes. uh, getting up on stage and being absolutely overwhelmed with them picking up the award. Um, I did love the appreciation that she gave to Glenn Close because everybody was obviously um, speculating and it's wrong that the, they do this, that a certain uh, number of uh, nominations means that a person will eventually get an award. And yeah. so a lot of people are saying, Glenn Close, she's had six, this has got to be it, you know, regardless of what everyone else had done. Um, and in my heart of hearts, I did always want Olivia Coleman uh, yeah. to win, but 
to see her sort of honor Glenn Close, which is absolutely lovely. But you know, good on her. And if you look at that lovely mix of winners uh, um, of the the best uh, um, actors and best actresses, um, Regina King, uh, Rami Malek, and Mahershala Ali, you've got a lovely uh, eclectic. Um, um, multi-diverse mix of winners and it's exactly where we need to be at this time um considering yeah, all the yeah. controversy the oscars have had over the last few years and it was only right also that we see black panther being a big winner um for in some of their categories um and also uh, spike lee picking up his first award yes which is um, insane that that's the first spike lee award um yeah but uh, yeah but a lot of people will, um, and already reading some of the journalist reviews of the situation, I'm ignoring all comments on fashion because we shouldn't be here to talk about fashion. Yeah. But you know, there is a bit of disappointment for Richard E. Grant. Um, yeah. There was some negative press that went out at the very last minute of the weekend, um, sort of saying that his sort of um, approach to the awards and his sort of campaign um, was a little bit excessive. But actually, this is a man who has been nominated for the first time and he has been working his trade for years. And it yeah. is, you know, I think he is an incredibly proud actor. Um, and I, I think he'd just be excited to be there. Um, but yeah, it's sad. We would have loved to see him win. If him and Olivia had won in the same night, it would have just been a perfect night for Britain. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are focusing on this sort of negativity surrounding Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, <clears throat> there is a, a, a worrying divide. And I know I saw the film and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it wasn't until you step out and you start reading people's approaches to the film and the controversies behind the director that you understand that there's a real negative um, sort of element to Bohemian Rhapsody, mainly because of Brian Singer. But right. fundamentally, you can't deny that Rami Malek puts in an absolutely incredible performance. Um, I am relatively young. I, w- I was not aware of what, how Freddie Mercury appeared, but since watching the film and then going back and looking at old archive footage and looking at clips, Rami Melek was amazing. That man who you see in Mr. Robot playing a very different character mm. became for all sense of purposes, Freddie Mercury. And it shocked me so much to see that archival footage, to see some of uh, even like the concert, put the concert footage next to Rami Malek's performance. Yeah. Um, it was just incredible. He deserves that award. And I just feel so bad that he's had to be on the fringes of all this negativity that a lot of the mainstream press have been throwing at the film just because it wasn't what they wanted or mm. the director had done things. And, and you know, we are in a society now where we've got lots of issues surrounding people who make things and then their creative output and people then feel guilty about liking something that is creatively good because of the person who made it. It's a huge discussion point. And, and even, you know, I'm going to go off topic a tiny bit, but like at the weekend, me and my friends started watching the first of the surviving R Kelly documentary. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we had to pause it for a moment to honestly openly discuss our connection to the songs that we liked right, when we yeah. were growing up that or punctuated key parts of our growing up. And then we sort of took it back and deconstructed the, the, the lyrics and how that could possibly be read in a different way. Now we know so much about him. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the problem we've got. People make creative works that we like. But they also do bad things. And, you know, you can say that about Kevin Spacey and, yeah. the, you know, and his films. Some of his films are incredible. But now he's tarred by this horrendous allegations and things yeah, that have yeah. gone on in his 
and we've just got this problem in the society now. We don't know quite now how to deal with it. But if we try and separate it, Bohemian Rhapsody, really good performance and actually had a really good the construct of a film. So congratulations to that. Um, so, yeah, I think Roma maybe was expected to go with a little bit more um, and it didn't. But Netflix are still very proud. They're there this morning on their Twitter feed, on their social media, yeah, yeah. Uh, highlighting how proud they are of what Roma's done. And Alfonso Cuaron, again, taking away uh, the best director. And that should be, you know, absolutely rewarded. Well, yeah. And their stars got to, you know, the stars of Roma, I don't, you know, I might be wrong, but I don't believe they'll be going to an Oscar ceremony again in the future. No. This was a very um, opportunistic film for them to appear and to be up against those those other uh, actors and actresses and things like that. But I think, you know, that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, Roma won uh, Best Foreign Language Film. It got Best Cinematography for Alfonso Caron, and he also got Best Director because he did the cinematography and the directing on it and wrote it. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he picked up three they picked up three awards and i i think the fact that it won best foreign language sort of stopped it from winning best picture yeah yeah so i think that that sort of yeah ticked the box didn't it yeah. um and so yeah i i there was a nice bit of surprise and a pleasant bit of expectation from from the oscars for me um uh, i wasn't I wasn't stamping my feet this morning going, oh, that's a that's a bad call. Um, I think we had a good range of films and I think yeah. a lot of people should go out and put them on their to watch list. Um, I especially think Black Klansman uh, is a film that people still need to go and watch. It is um, entertaining, dramatic and educational as well. That's definitely something that I would put out to people. Um, and, you know, give Bohemian Rhapsody a chance, everybody. It is actually quite a good construct of a mainstream film and um, you can only apologise for all the negative press that's surrounding it and the director. Um, yeah. uh, so think about all the other people who worked on that film that haven't yeah. um, been yeah. embroiled in, in things like that. So. Exactly. I mean, um, it, it's interesting, actually, as, as somebody pointed out on the article I was reading earlier, uh, all four actor nominations and all four well, rather all four actor winners this year um all are tv actors they all currently have tv shows running because olivia yes. Coleman's in uh well he's in everything but he's, everything. He's, <laughs> he's he's about to take over the role as the queen in uh the, the crown. crown rami malik obviously had like mr robot which has got one more season to come uh regina king is who won for best supporting actress she is in the uh hbo watchman series that's coming up and masha ali of course has just uh completed true detective in fact true detective i think went out last night for its final episode so um yeah, he's he's been on that as well. So um, yeah, I mean, it's the the lines between whereas you know it always used to be a case of being in a TV show kind of killed your film career, and now the lines are so blurred. It's really interesting that you've yeah. got this, this sort of you know the four winners are people that have current TV shows as well. So uh, that's that's really good. I, I again, I I agree with you, uh, Olivia Coleman. Everybody thought it was going to be Glenn Close uh, as as well as Olivia Colvin, and uh, that was just adorable. That speech, uh, best costume design. I have to say the 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 presenters for that, which was Melissa McCarthy, and I'm not sure who the other guy was. I can't remember, but the um, the the two presenters for that were in really over the top period outfits, and the other they were in period dresses. And the other uh, guy was the other one was a dude as well. It was a guy who was just like 
uh, really big guy. So they came out wearing that, presented it, not acknowledging the fact they were wearing these ridiculous outfits <laughs> the entire time. It was very funny. Uh, so I really enjoyed that. I'm very, very happy that Green Book won Best Picture. I know that's had some controversy about it, again, to do with the writers and things that people have said and the fact that the family the, the family of the, the Doctor, the Mashallah Ali's character, don't agree with, you know, said it was a web of lies and didn't agree with how it was portrayed on screen. But there is some controversy around that and, and how it handled race in it. I didn't have much of a problem with it i thought it i think green book is a brilliant brilliant film and uh totally deserved to win best picture i would have loved to have seen black panther win best picture just because you know i think that would have been and it isn't necessarily the best film out of there but i just think that would have been a real upset and would have been really kind of interesting yeah, uh yeah Roma, I mean, I know a lot of people thought Roma would win that, but it's like I say, I think because it won Best Foreign Language Film, I I suspect that's why people didn't put it down for Best Picture as well. In terms of other things, I mean, uh, oh yeah, Best Animated Feature, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yay! <laughs> uh, and I, it, I still haven't seen it yet, but everybody tells me that's a brilliant, brilliant film. So uh, yes, I'm I'm very much looking forward to picking that up. I haven't actually watched, because I'm terrible at getting around to movies, I haven't actually watched Bohemian Rhapsody, but I do have it downloaded on my Skybox now, So because uh, it's, it's out on DVD and Blu-ray now, so... Uh, I will be going to watch that later on so I can actually see the performance. Interestingly, one of the things that comes when you order it um, off Sky, uh, one of the, because you get the DVD extra bits as well, and they actually present the whole of the Queen set from Live Aid done as a shot for shot remake. Oh, really? Apparently, uh... yeah. I, was, I noticed one on some of the download stuff. So, um, yeah, it looks like they shot the whole set. So they could chop bits and pieces out of it and, and use it in the film. Uh, but they actually did a shot-for-shot shot remake of it. So that I'm very interested to see because I obviously rem- I'm old enough to rem- remember seeing that when it was on. So, um, yeah, I'm I really, really intrigued. I'm a big fan of Queen, so I'm very interested to see that film. And uh, Mashallah Ali, I think, totally, de- totally deserved to win Best Supporting Actor for Green Book. I, I thought he was fabulous in that. So yeah, overall, nothing major that stood out as as being sort of, oh, I didn't think that was the right choice, but uh, I'm very, very happy that Black Panther win uh, got wins for production design, original score, costume design. I thought that was great. Uh, I, I've not seen First Man. Again, that's another film that I've downloaded and not watched yet. So I'm waiting for, I've, I've got to go and watch that. And that's one for best visual effects. I mean, in terms of people that really missed out, you've got Star is Born, which only won best song, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, that was like nominated for 10 awards. Kind of unfortunate that they didn't pick up more. Um, I mean, I, as I say, I know people are saying Roma was robbed and I don't see that at all. It picked up three of the major, major rewards out of that. So I think that was fine. It's an interesting mix. Definitely an interesting mix this year. And it coped reasonably well without a host, I thought. Apparently the ratings are up for the first time in ages as well. Oh, that's well... Who knows? Maybe that's the way forward then. Don't don't put the put a host in there. Yeah, maybe not putting a host in is is the way that they'll carry on. But uh, it worked mm. really well. They opened it with um, Queen and Adam Lambert doing uh, "We Will Rock You" and "We Are the Champions." I think so. Uh, yeah, you know that was a great opening to it because opening anything with Queen is always a good start. This is as far as I yeah. can say. So that was really good. 
so that's all the uh, stuff we've been doing and the Oscars coverage. Let's move on to some other TV and film news. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. So we start off the TV and film news this week with renewals, cancellations, and pickups. A uh, couple of cancellations to start off with. Sci-Fi have cancelled Night Flyers after one season. Did you watch any of this? I didn't even get a chance to put it on my to-watch list before I saw the information that it was going to be um, cancelled. So I'm like, do I even bother now? Yeah, or... I mean, I've I've watched the first episode and thought, oh, that was all right. I'll go back and watch the rest of it. And I haven't yet. So just because other things, in the, I, I fully intended to, but I just other things have got in the way. So I'm now, well, do I want to go back and watch the rest of it? There's enough other things on as well. So eh, I don't know. Uh so yeah, that's of course on Netflix over here, but it's sci-fi are the people behind it. And I think part of it is they spend a fortune on it. And I think they were hoping that it was going to be, you know, as big as um the expanse was. And the problem always for them with the expanse was they had a very, very bad deal with the company that make the expanse, uh, in that they didn't get any residuals from it. They only got money on the night that it was shown on sci-fi in the US Uh, and they just couldn't make money out of it and that's the reason they cancelled it but uh, yeah Night Flyers was I think their own thing or they certainly had a better deal and more control over it but uh, it was also very expensive to make and it numbers just didn't seem to add up unfortunately Man in the High Castle is not cancelled but will end with its fourth season Uh, they've released a new little teaser trailer for it which is up on the site you can go and find that Um, I'm I I think I'm about halfway through season three and I need to go back and watch the rest of it I I think this is probably the right decision because it feels it's getting a little stretched that story Um, considering it came out of a short Philip K. Dick novel um, or novetta I sort of think that's probably the right choice at this point. Uh, it's, it's a great show. It is a good show and it's interesting and it's very different. Uh, but I, I would rather they got to a point where they rounded up and it was a nice type four seasons and that's it. Mm. Um, so I never, never watched it, unfortunately, because I was an, an Amazon prime customer for right. a while. Um, I just missed that bit. So I've never actually seen it. I've heard great things about it and it's just a case of too much. I can't, I can't watch it all. So yeah, it's, it is worth going to look at if you're looking for something to binge through. It's, it's a really, really interesting show and, uh, well worth going to watch, but I'm glad that they are ending it and it's not kind of just canceled and you're not going to get an ending. They are ending it themselves. So, uh, yeah. season four will be the final season, which comes towards the end of this year. That's going to be out. other news. Next. Netflix have officially cancelled <laughs> The Punisher and Jessica Jones, which we all knew was kind of coming. Uh, yeah. Let's rewind to the last podcast. I, I believe I said, yes. <laughs> get me on next time, Dave, this will happen. And I was like, oh, it does happen. When I saw the notice, I was like, well, good timing that I'm the next one on. Yes. what I said. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's no great shock that they've cancelled them. News is swirling around that they may end up being revived either on Hulu or on FX is the other possibility because Disney 
obviously when with the Fox merger going through, uh, they get a larger stake in Hulu, but they also own the FX channel. And I can actually see these shows working on either of those. FX in particular, actually, I think this is a, this would be a great pick for FX. FX, if you don't know, it's a, it is a Fox brand in the US, but it tends to run their kind of more adult end sort of stuff. I think that's a great pick for that, if that's what they decide to do. The problem appears to be that uh, because it was Netflix that cancelled the shows. I know pe- some people are thinking, oh, it's... Disney trying to take it for their Disney Plus thing. They're not going to be on Disney Plus because Disney Plus is going to be very much PG-13 rated stuff. So none of these shows will fit on there. The other issue is I think there'll be an exclusion deal between when the uh, contract runs out with Netflix and when they're allowed to put the shows on another channel. So that may be two years. It may be a year. It may be five years. I don't know. But there does seem to be some sort of feeling that these will get revived in some way in a few years' time. So uh. we'll have to wait and see. Uh, they don't seem to be completely done with them yet. And a lot of the comments that we were getting of was, well, you know, it will be sad to say goodbye for now from a lot of the actors. So it does seem like they may be bringing those back at some point. But... At the moment, they are all officially cancelled. But uh, it'd be nice to see, certainly Daredevil and Punisher and Jessica Jones, I'd like to see back. I'm not overly fussed about Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Uh, Iron Fist. (laughs) No (laughs) one, no one's fussed about Iron Fist. Yeah, the the second season of Iron Fist was infinitely better than the first, but I'm not dramatically kind of, oh, we must have Iron Fist back. But certainly I would love to see Punisher back and uh, Daredevil I, you know, I, I thought last season of Daredevil was a vast improvement on the second one uh, and Jessica Jones is always brilliant so I'm very happy with that and uh, just a, an advanced air date for you because it's a show that we've been waiting for for a while Nathan, Nathan Fillion's The Rookie uh, first season of that is going to be premiering on Thursday the 21st of March haven't given the exact time yet but that's going to be on Sky Witness and Now TV I'm very looking very much looking forward to having Nathan Fillion back on TV so uh, that's one to look out for moving on to some bigger news uh, Sky of, of Commission 2 new shows or new very very different shows though uh, they've got a new uh, director of drama who is actually I think been in the role, role since November last year and he was like the VP and he's now kind of been shoved up into the uh, into the director spot officially uh, Cameron Roach but wasted no time announcing two brand new things that they're putting out one is a historical drama called Little Birds the other one is a sci-fi action drama called Intergalactic which you know so they're, they're kind of two very different ends of the spectrum Intergalactic is set in the 23rd century and Earth's space empire exiles its prisoners off planet uh, or at least they did until a crew of fierce and adventurous female criminals break free and go on the run, heading intergalactic. So the series follows Ash, a young flight cadet falsely imprisoned before becoming embroiled in an audacious prison breakout. Across their perilous escape through space, the disparate gang of dynamic women fight, fall in love and betray each other. But one thing's for certain, the further they travel from Earth, the closer they come to understanding who they truly are. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting kind of setup and it's not very often that you get 
British sci-fi things, not big British action sci-fi things. So yeah, I'm kind of intrigued that Sky have decided to go down this route for that. I I uh, I don't know. Any any thoughts? Uh, it sounds interesting. You've got the big uh, sort of female ensemble lead. That that's something that you could obviously um, get a lot of um, interest on. Um, I I am interested that Sky are taking this real attack at their big budget dramas now, and I think that's probably in in. Um, reaction to your netflix and your amazon but obviously they're also integrating netflix as well into their higher package of sky q so um they're just trying to compete on a slightly uh, different level um this is something that would interest me and i definitely would be going to watch the first first um episode definitely and see if it would bring it off i think if they go more down the lines of um making episode one there and then putting it all out which they've done recently yeah. with films with our programs such as save me um you know that they're, they're going in the right direction they've had some really strong quality dramas there's no denying it yeah. um but i suppose it's are they reaching the numbers of audiences that netflix do because to watch them you have to have sky you have to have now tv um it is not getting the impact of something like Netflix, which can be, um, you know, yeah, he's glo- global and huge. Global, yeah, global and huge. But I like what they're doing. I, I think it's good, good spending of their money. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, written by Julie Geary, who uh, wrote Prisoners, Wives, Cuffs, and Secret Diary of a Cold Girl. So. You know, good person behind it, I think, uh, could be yeah. an interesting one. But that's called the Intergalactic. It's coming to Sky One at some point, probably next year, I suspect. Uh, the other show, which is called Little Birds, um, this is set in Tangiers in 1955 in the famous International Zone, one of the last outposts of colonial decadence and cultural shock in more ways than one for a troubled debutante Lucy Savage, played by Juno Temple. Thrilled to escape her controlling parents, Lucy arrives full of anticipation for a marriage to her English fiancé, Lord Hugo Cavendish Smythe, uh, little knowing that Hugo has already lost his heart to somebody else. As Lucy fights to carve out her independence and identity, her life becomes intertwined with Sharifa Lamour, played by Yuna Marwan, uh, a Moroccan dominatrix who services the diplomats and foreigners of a colourful bohemian world, and they both become entangled with some very dangerous characters. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that sort of couldn't be more opposite, really. Yeah. But, uh, uh, still female driven. Yeah, yeah, two very so, female driven dramas. Yeah. I'm not sure about this one. Um, I sometimes struggle with the period type dramas, but I know a lot of my friends who would want to watch this, and this would definitely be up there, sort of like um, Ali in terms of like taste wise. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think me, I struggle with the whole. Um, uh, period and uh, the historical aspect of it, but it does look like a high, again, a high quality drama, good female ensemble. I'll be recommended to some of my friends. Yeah, no, I, I think it looks like it could be interesting. I think that's Sky Atlantic, that one. Yes, yeah, Sky Atlantic for that one. Uh, and they've they've done a few things recently, like Britannia and and stuff like that, which have been period pieces. So and uh, Jamestown as well, of course, is a, is another period one they're doing. Yeah. So um, Sophie Alan Maria, uh, who was writer of the Girl Who Fell to Earth, so she's writing this, directed by Stacy Passion, who has done uh, Billions and House of Cards. So you know, solid director, decent mm. writer. So I'll have to see where they go with that. But uh, yeah, I'm a bit like you with the period stuff. I'm I'm not 
massively into them, but we'll wait and see. <laughs> Moving on over on to Amazon, they've announced some casting for this remake of uh, the Channel 4 Utopia. There, which is being remade sort of in a in a big budget US sort of remake. Uh, they they announced some more casting for that. Um, some of which names are very very familiar. Uh, Rain Wilson, Corey Michael Smith, and Dan Bird are the three people that they've announced. Uh, the nine episode series, which is based on the Channel Four show, comes from Gillian Flynn, who is the best selling author and screenwriter of the Golden Globe nominated Gone Girl and Sharp Objects. It follows a group of young adults who meet online but mercilessly hunted by a shadow deep state organization after they come into possession of a near-mythical cult underground graphic novel. They discover that conspiracy theories in the comic pages may actually be real and are forced into the dangerous, unique, and ironic position of saving the world. So, uh, Rain Wilson takes the role of Michael Stearns, a once-promising virologist, but now a forgotten scientist who lost his edge working in an underappreciated and underfunded laboratory. When a nationwide outbreak of deadly flu arrives, Michael offers his expertise and soon finds he has landed smack in the middle of something much bigger. Corey Michael Smith is playing the bright and ambitious Thomas Christie. Thomas works under his biotech scientist father at Christie Laboratories. He becomes tasked with tracking down the only copy of the much sought after graphic novel Utopia for less than benevolent reasons. Uh, and Dan Bird is starring as Ian, a young man who went to online college, works at a soul robbing job and lives in the small apartment with his grandmother in Canton, Ohio. Craving more exciting life outside his online virtual world, he embarks on a mission to uncover the secrets of the graphic novel Utopia, which also driven by his crush on a fellow graphic novel geek friend, Becky. So uh, you may recognise some of those characters if you saw the original Utopia series. Rain Wilson, of course, you will know from The Office. Uh, he was in Backstrom, movies Super, Juno. Uh, he's been playing Harry Mudd most recently in Star Trek Discovery. Corey Michael Smith is the wonderful Riddler in Gotham. So you'll know him from that most likely. He also popped up in First Man apparently as well. And uh, Bird is probably best known for the comedy Cougar Town. He's also popped up in episodes of The Good Doctor. He was in the, I think he was the guy that died on the table in the yeah, quarantine he was the, episode. Um, the, yeah, he was the, um, uh, the, the paramedic. Yeah, the, the paramedic that died in the quarantine episode recently. Uh, he's also been in episodes of Scandal, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, Mad Men Heroes. So he's, you know, jobbing actor, basically. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, interesting selection of, of cast they've got. They have also cast Sasha Lane, who is playing Jessica Hyde, who is the kind of main female lead role in it as well so uh, she'd already been cast in it but uh yeah i mean i'm I'm very pleased to see Corey michael smith in something else because i love just his portrayal in uh, gotham as um riddler he's fabulous and rain wilson's great as well i don't really know dan bird particularly apart from that one episode so yeah i mean i really liked the british version yeah um and i i i don't know i'm part of me is like I don't think I want to watch it because the British version for me was uh, it was just so well sort of presented mm. um, and I really liked it. So we'll see. We'll see. I might be tempted to look at it, but I, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It is. I know exactly what you mean. It is somewhat difficult because uh, the British version was brilliant. The thing that sort of saves it slightly for me is the fact that Gillian Flynn is writing it um, and Gone Girl is an amazing film. Uh, uh, Sharp Objects I didn't watch, but I, everybody tells me how wonderful it is. So I don't know. I I, I think 
it could be an interesting one. It, it's difficult because the British one is so British in a lot of yeah. ways. Uh, and it's weird and it's quirky. And I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I doubt they're going to go down the line of making it kind of very mainstream. I suspect it's still going to have that weird, quirky edge to it. It's going to be one of those sort of things for this out for Amazon. Uh, I mean, Amazon have a whole slew of shows coming up, including things like the Lord of, Lord of the Rings stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what they do with it. And and it's the writer behind it that's that's really pushing it for me. But we'll see. Don't have an air date for that yet, but uh, it's likely to be 2020 because they're only just casting now. So we'll have to wait and see. Next piece of news, we've got uh, Dugray Scott has been cast as uh, Kate Kane's father in the Batwoman series, which I thought was... Uh, kind of interesting lots of casting news this week so uh, the Batwoman pilot actually not series we don't know whether it's going to go to a main series or not yet uh, he's going to be playing Jacob Kane who uh, is father of Kate Kane Jacob is also one of the main adversaries he's a former military colonel who commands Gotham's private security firm the Crows uh, it's made it his mission to protect the city better than the Dark Knight ever could but only a matter of time before his unwavering disdain for vigilantes puts him at odds with Gotham's new Kate Crusader, who also happens to be his own daughter. So um, if you know a bit of background about what the setup is for this Batwoman series, Batman has gone, basically. He's disappeared. Bruce Wayne has disappeared. Uh, Kate Kane is sort of holding down the fort and has kind of, as Bruce's cousin, taken over the business, is essentially uh, what she's doing. She's trying to keep a few things afloat. Uh, and she's also taken over his other job as uh, Batwoman, whereas he was obviously Batman. This version of the character is quite similar to the comic book version. It's sort of a mix of the old and new version because in a lot of variations in the comic book Jacob is kind of backup and support for Batwoman however that thing about the fact that he has this disdain for vigilantes and thinks he can do it better is very much stuff that they've used in the comic books Uh, in the most recent stories he's actually used Batman as a model to create this sort of army of of people in sort of mechanical powered Batman suits uh, which caused a huge rift between the him and his daughter so it's 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 a sort of similar characterization to the one that's in the book i think do great scott you'll know from things like mission impossible 2 he was in taken 3 deep impact uh he's been on fear the walking dead he's been in desperate housewives he's been in the snatch series he's popped up in episodes of strike back and doctor who so uh yeah i mean he's he's been all over the place i'm kind of looking forward to this i mean it is only a pilot at the moment we don't know whether it's going to go to a full series or not uh i suspect it will you think it it's going to replace something. I know that they've all just been renewed, but you, this is the question, like, where are they going with the Arrowverse? Um, they've just done a whole slew of renewals. Yeah. Will this fit in or will it have to replace? I so. think they're either going to end up going to a point where they're kind of airing them all year round, or it will come in and run kind of staggered, which is what they're doing at the moment um, because they bought some of the shows back, but Legends is sort of stood on its own separately. So maybe they'll run two segments of it and they'll run the main shows as full seasons and then Legends is a slightly shorter season and maybe Batwoman will be a slightly shorter season. The other possibility is they're starting to get to a point where they they might start to wrap up Arrow and this would be quite a solid replacement for Arrow because they're both kind of street-level fighter shows. 
So, yeah. so this maybe that's what they're thinking is it's a good kind of jumping off point you can play around with. Um, yeah, possibly. But I, I do like the sound of this. I thought Ruby Rose was great when she popped up in the crossover episodes. Uh, they've already cast a few other people. So you've got Luke Fox um, Batwing in there as a character. You've got uh, Cape's stepsister Mary is in there, who I think also becomes a superhero in the comic books. And you've got uh, the villain Alice, who's based in the sort of Alice in Wonderland, who's also being cast. So yeah, there's there's a nice collection of characters they're bringing together for this. I'm I think it it could be quite interesting. But uh, as we say, it's only a pilot at the moment, uh, but it's getting talked about a lot. And CW usually picks things up. So, um, particularly when there are reverse things, so I I strongly suspect that it will yeah. it will arrive. And lastly, we have more casting news. Uh, the Lost Boys pilot, also on the CW, has found its lead or one of its leads. You may remember a few months ago, could even be a few years ago at this point, they announced that they were making a Lost Boys TV series based on the classic, brilliant eighties movie. Um, so if you're unaware and too young to know The Lost Boys, go out and rent it. It's a great film. But uh, it's a drama set in Santa Clara, California. Uh, it's a town with a beautiful boardwalk, cotton candy you can eat, and a secret underground world of vampires. Uh, after the sudden death of their father, Michael and Sam Emerson move to Santa Clara with their mother, Lucy, uh, who hopes to start life anew in a town where she grew up. But the brothers find themselves drawn deeper and deeper into the seductive world of Santa Clara's eternally beautiful and youthful undead. So the person they've cast in the lead as Michael, who is the older brother, is Tyler Posey, who uh, you will know from Teen Wolf. So he's gone from starring in one 80s movie made into a TV show into another 80s movie made into a TV show. <laughs> one one being werewolves and this one being vampires. So he must, I mean, he's, he must have just looked at it and gone, well, it worked once, we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his breadth of his acting <laughs> yes um, so I'm, I'm sure he's back to me that scene he's lovely I don't want to cast any aspersions against the guy <laughs> uh, so uh, yes Tyler Posey is, is playing Michael that was the role, role that was played by Jason Patrick in the original film uh, his intention was to send was to attend Columbia Medical School, but plans changed when he discovers he shares the same genetic weakness that killed his father. The only thing that consoles him is the friendship he strikes up with Stella, a young woman who runs a concession stand in, in the Santa Clara boardwalk. Lucy, who is the mother, is played by uh, Keely Sanchez, who has been in Kingdom and Lost. That was played by Diane Weist in the movie. She apparently left Santa Clara 27 years ago after causing a scandal when she ditched her boyfriend to run off with another man. So has been dreading returning. Um, the other casting they've announced is Stella, who is not a character directly in the film, but he's kind of based on Star, uh, who was the sort of girlfriend of one of the vampires. So uh, Midlion Rami is playing, who was in Still Star-Crossed and The Outpost, is takes the role in the pilot. Uh, Stella is a Californian carefree and has an immediate spark with Michael. There is just the minor issue that her boyfriend is a vampire. Uh, oh. <laughs> that vampire boyfriend is the sexy, dangerous and immortal David, who's sometimes scary but always intense. He's the leader of the vampire gang, wildly in love with Stella, uh, who's the only one who control him? Uh, Dakota Shapiro, who was in Va a show called Valley of the Bloom, which I don't know, uh, lands that part. And he was originally played by Kiefer 
Christopher Sutherland in the film. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i very interested to see whether they can pull this off. I mean, they kind of managed it with Teen Wolf, and I mean, that ran for, what, five seasons. Vampires are still a big thing. You know, they've still got, like, uh, Legacies is still running as sort of the legacy show of the Vampire Diaries. So that's they've still got one kind of vampire-adjacent show running on there. This will be another one, I guess. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see whether they can pull it off. I feel like it should work. It's had very mixed reactions when I posted it online, you know, depending whether you're a fan of the original uh, and whether you think remaking it for TV is a good idea. It's, uh, I'm not sure. I'd, uh, I'd probably give it a go. As I say, I'm always like, give it one episode a go and then see where it goes from there. So it's potentially something I'd, I'd look at. Um, I, I'm not I'm not hugely knowledgeable of the original film. I know I've watched it, but these are a lot of films I watched when I was younger. Yeah. But I've totally gone and forgotten out of my head. I might have a, a rewatch before um, it, you know, it actually comes out. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Uh, if nothing else, the original film had the best soundtrack it was everybody had a copy of that soundtrack album it was fabulous so uh, <laughs> so if nothing else go and get the soundtrack album uh, the person they roped in to direct it is uh, Catherine Hardwick if you uh, know things about vampire movies was the person that directed the first Twilight movie yeah hopefully there's less sparkly vampires in this one I'm not not down with the sparkly vampires but uh, she's also direct uh, directed Red Riding Hood the film and she's done episodes of things like This Is Us and Hell on Wheels which is quite common for some of these big movie directors come in and do kind of you know pilot episodes of things so um i don't know i'm very interested to see uh it, it comes it's been written by heather mitchell who has written for scandal and gray's anatomy which is a interesting kind of background to be doing a vampire thing but uh yeah we'll we'll have to wait and see again it's only a pilot it might not come off they might decide that it's not good enough and they don't want it but we'll see what happens mm. so that's all the news for this week uh, due to my computer issues we, we're not doing an interview so uh we shall move on to highlights for next week on tv <laughs> So, highlights for next week on TV. The Flash returns for the second half of season five. Uh, that's, I think, the first one to come back. That's on Sky One on the 28th of February at 8pm. And that will be followed by the rest of the Arrowverse, apart from Legends, which doesn't come back until April. That's uh-huh. uh, way off yet. Uh, Strike Back Silent War, which is season seven of Strike Back. That returns on the 28th at 9pm. So, following The Flash. few new people in there. Jamie Bam- Amber is the new team member that you've got this year. So uh, that's something to look out for. Supergirl, that returns for season 4B. That's on the 4th of March at 8pm. Uh, so that's back. Fleabag, that's coming back to for its second season on BBC3. That's on the 4th of March at 10am uh, or from 10am. Obviously, um, BBC3 is online, so you, know, you can get it anytime after that. Ride with Norman Reedus, that is coming to AMC Global on uh, the 4th of March at 9pm it's basically an excuse for Norman to hang out with a bunch of his old castmates because they've roped in Andrew Lincoln and name escapes me the guy that played Glenn those are both on it this season unfortunately like a lot of people I don't have access to AMC Global so uh, I won't be able to watch it but uh, yes if you're a fan of Norman Reedus it is out there SEAL Team returns for the second half of the second season that's on the 5th of March at 9pm really good show that I didn't think I'd like it but I do worth going to watch there's enough in there than that it's not just a straight army drama 
So uh, if you're not sure about it, but like David Baranis, go and watch that. Mm. Um, Arrow back for the second half of its seventh season. That's on the 5th of March at 8pm. And then lastly, Derry Girls returns for a second season. That's on Channel 4 on the 5th of March at 9.15. I'm looking forward to quite a few on there. Yeah, uh, Derry Girls, um, Fleabag, obviously the return of uh, Supergirl and The Flash. Definitely looking forward to those. I'm not too sure. I th- I, no, I didn't go through with Seal. I stuck with SWAT instead. If I was looking for any four, letter acronyms for a program <laughs> I think I went with SWAT in the end I enjoyed that a little bit more than the, the first episodes of SEAL that I, that I caught um, a glimpse of right okay yeah no I, I like both of them uh, SWAT's got more of that kind of Hawaii Five owners to it uh, I guess it's it's that sort of mould whereas SEAL team is a bit more sort of serious drama I guess than, than SWAT is although mm. yeah you know what I mean but I, I'm enjoying SEAL team a lot so, uh, so yes worth watching that's everything we have for this week we should be back to having normal interviews and stuff next week assuming my computer has survived its dying if you want to get in touch with Grey you can find him on Twitter at Grey the Geek uh, if you want to come and see me reviewing talking about shows complaining about service I do for all things like that on my Twitter feed at the moment so by all means come and give me a follow uh, start up a conversation with me yes and that's Grey with an A as well yeah it is yes for us if you want to find out more information throughout the week visit geektown.co.uk to find all the latest air date info and latest news want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything normal sermon shall be resumed next week we shall see you then bye 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 As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.